What is a priority? <clears throat> a priority is something that is of utmost importance. It's something that is on the top of the list every day. A priority. And Jesus wants to be your priority. Do you believe that? I am, I, you know, I know I poke fun at Susie all the time about this or that. And, uh, but I'll tell you right now, I am 100% devoted to my wife. I'm not interested in anybody else. Doesn't do me. It doesn't bother me one bit to be that way because I think that's the way we're supposed to be. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying that's how it is. Okay. That's how it is. If you want to be somebody that goes from woman to woman to woman and woman to woman throughout your life, that's your business. It's not me. I'm going to be devoted to my wife. And I'm going to be devoted to my church. I'm not out putting out resumes and applications to see if I can get a higher paying preacher's job. I'm not doing that. And I'm not, I'm not, I, believe me, this message is not about me. I've got a point for you. In my mind, you know, I, I am not interested in all of this nonsense the world has to offer. I came to this world with nothing, and when the Lord takes me home, all of that will be left behind. What matters is, are, have you made Jesus Christ your priority? That's what matters. And that, what does it mean? It, it, it means not just on Sundays. It's every day. It's seven days a week. And that's the hard part. You get to work and people are talking dirty and telling nasty jokes and saying all kinds of terrible things. And how do you, what do you do? Do you, do you chime in with them and get right in there with it? Or do you step off and say, hey, that is not for me? You know what I'm saying? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's even hard for the preacher not to chime in on things that are not godly. That's how you make Jesus a priority. You set yourself apart. You, you're different. You're not supposed to fit in with the group that's doing everything wrong. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to be different. You know, some churches call it holiness. Well, I'm fine with that. It's in the Bible. That word's in the Bible, and I'm all for it. We're, today, we're not necessarily holiness church, but we do believe that if we make Jesus a priority, our life will be holier. All right? You know what I mean? We're not necessarily going to talk the way we used to talk. We're going to try. Sometimes we might slip up and say something. We may not. We've got to make it a priority not to get involved in those things that drug our life down in the past. That's making Jesus a priority. Amen? And this is very fundamental, but I'm looking around today thinking this is what America is missing. You know, there was a time in America where pretty much everybody got up on Sunday and went to church. It was just what they did. And now there's a minority of people that get up on Sunday and go to church. That's a... A small percentage, really. If you think about it, in Ada, Oklahoma, you know, how many people uh, live in Pontotoc County? What is there, about 37,000? Now, the biggest church in Ada, what is that? I'm not really sure, probably H2O. 
they probably have more going right now than anybody else. And how many people do you think go there? Is there maybe 750? More than that? Three services, so it may be 1,200? Maybe 1,300? Okay. So I'm, I got a point to this, okay? The biggest church in Ada, somebody might know the answer. We'll just say, you know, for easy figuring, we'll say 1,200. That's three services. First Baptist might be next. I don't know, really. Uh, there's also Trinity and then used to be ET. What's it called now? Cornerstone? Yeah. Cross Point. I'm sorry. Good people, good churches. I love the pastors of all those churches. I mean, I know them personally, and I really uh, respect them all. And But if you added all of those big churches up, there's not 5,000 people going to the biggest churches in Ada. And if you take, if you take uh, all the little churches, there's a lot less than 5,000 if you total all of them up. What I'm saying is there is less than 10,000 people in church this morning in Pontotoc County. Way less. It's probably more like 7,500. And there's 35, 37,000. All right, so let's just call it 35,000 and 7,000. That's one-fifth, isn't it? Isn't that one-fifth? Now I'm talking about, almost talking about core, uh, core math here, rounding off that way, which I don't like, but you get my point? We're talking 20% of the population of Pontotoc County, the Bible Belt of Oklahoma, the Bible Belt of the United States, the place where liquor by the drink was the last holdout in the United States of America and on and on and on and on. I'm telling you, in the most conservative place, we now only have 20% of the population going to church. This is the reason America is in trouble. But every other thing is just a debate. This is the reason. We need to be in church. It needs to be a priority. Jesus needs to be our priority. Not just on Sundays. Some people have to work and they can't be here. We get that. But there's church services all through the week at different places. And uh, three services on Sunday at H2O. So you could probably go to an early service if you had to work or something like that maybe. Maybe a Saturday night service. There's even some weeknight church. We have Wednesday night church that goes on here. It's Bible study, but it's really good. The youth group meet right up there. Isn't that cool? And I'm talking about the kids and young adults. That is a great worship service going up on up there every Wednesday night at 630. They've got great music. Matthew does a great job bringing the message. It's phenomenal. We've got several things going on, and so do other churches. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, as they say, because you're the one that's here, right? Not getting on to you. I'm thanking you, and I'm saying you're... Look at, look at it this way. What if you were in the top 20% of your class in school? Huh? How would that make you feel? And I'm telling you, right now, this morning, on Sunday, on Halloween, you are in the top 20% of your class in Pontotoc County. 
because you're in church. And we need that. We need more of that. And I'm cheering you on. I'm not trying to gripe at anybody. I think that if the whole world would have this goal, if America would get back to saluting the flag, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, quoting John 3.16, praying the Lord's Prayer, and going to church on Sunday mornings, it would solve about 90% of our problems. He says in verse 22, 1 Peter 1, verse 22, I've preached out of this part of the Bible a lot of times, so you may have some notes from it, but stay with me. He says, because you have been purified in your soul. Now, we've got a couple of young ladies here this morning that were saved the last few weeks, and we're going to have to get us a cattle tank in here or something and have baptism. Would you all be okay with being baptized in a, in a cattle tank? All right, we're going to do that. And you know what it means when Jesus saves you? He did me when I was a little kid. It means he purifies your soul. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it doesn't mean you'll never do anything wrong. You still have a body. You still have, you get off track from time to time throughout life. But in your soul, it's like your soul is pure. Your soul is what's going to live forever. Your body's going to die, but your soul's going to live forever. And so, if you want to get into heaven, you have to be pure, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? No sin can enter in. You have to be pure. And so, if you receive Christ as your Savior, and you really, really mean it, this said, what I just read said, it purifies your soul. And so now your soul is pure. And if you passed away, you know, if there was a car wreck or some type of tragedy and you died, young or old, your soul is pure. It's purified by the blood of Jesus. I mean, it's washed clean. There's no sin there in your soul anymore. You get to heaven and he says, you're a pure soul. Come on in. That's how it works. People try to put us down like we're thinking about or talking about a fairy tale or something. This is no fairy tale. People ever since Adam and Eve walked the earth have known down deep inside there's more after this life. Even if you never go to church, you know there's more after this life. I watched an interview with uh, the uh, founder of Tesla, who uh, names escapes me. What is it? Yes. And he, they asked him, do you believe there is a God? And boy, he really struggled with that. He didn't want to say no. He didn't want to say no. He said, well, I believe that something had to make all this. All right? You know, even without Christ, even without being raised in church, people know this is not an accident. One planet in our solar system has human beings living on it. That's not an accident. There's billions and billions of stars and planets out there. There may be life on some other. God might have done that on other places too. We don't know yet, but he definitely did it here. And this planet belongs to his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world 
that he gave the on, his only begotten son so that whosoever would follow him or believeth on him will not die but will have everlasting life. That's the Bible in a nutshell, isn't it? I love that scripture. That's my favorite scripture. I love it because it sums it all up. And so if you believe on Jesus, it's going to change your life. It's going to purify your soul. You're going to want to go to church. You're going to want to get more involved, not less. You're going to want to meet your future husband in a church instead of in a bar. You're going to want to meet your future wife in church instead of on the street or in some wild party. Because let me tell you, if you lived that way in the past and you've given your life to Jesus, all that past is gone. Amen? All that past is gone. But kids, I grew up in church. It doesn't make me perfect. I still did my share of stuff. But I'll tell you what, the Lord purified my soul and he's never left me. He's never left me. And when it came time for me to find a wife, I found her at the Baptist Student Union at East Central University, not Lafroqua. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. The kids are saying, what did he just say? Back in the old days, that was a wild bar in Ada where all the college kids wanted to go all the time. And I wasn't interested in that. God took care of me. You know what he did? He had me singing all the time. Everybody else going out partying on Saturday night, what was I doing? I was at some church singing gospel music. And that's God. That wasn't me, that was God. Kept me off the street and out of trouble. And so if you grow up with God, he'll help you through those times when it's hard to make good decisions. It's real hard when you're an older teenager, especially in your 20s, to make good decisions because the world is right there at your feet. You can go any way you want. The, you know what the latest statistic is? That less than 20% of kids that grow up in church after they get in college stay in church. That is a pitiful un a number. Now, we've already said it's only 20% of the population, right? It's, it's less than that in a lot of places. Now, 20% of that stays in church, and that's the reason... Most people are not in church now because when they get in their 20s, they go so far off. Sometimes, not always, and I'm just going to proclaim in Jesus' name to all the young people that are here today, kids and adults, including several of my grandchildren, that when you grow up and you get out there in college and young adult life, you are going to stay committed to Jesus Christ you're going to not let a college professor or wild parties and things drag you away from Christ. And if you do stray, you're going to come right back because Jesus has purified your soul. Amen. The Bible says that if they grow up knowing this, they will come back. Right? And I believe that. It's very important, fathers 
that you take an aggressive role, not out of anger, but out of love, to make Jesus a priority in your, house, in your household. He says in verse 23, not only, or verse 22, pardon me, he said, he has purified your soul because you obeyed the truth. Jesus is the truth. And what did Jesus say for us to do? Come to me and follow me. Do you notice that every single disciple that Jesus called, he said, follow me. That's what he still says today. He says, will you follow me? You know, if you follow Jesus, you go to the right places. If you follow Jesus, you have the right purpose. And if you follow Jesus, you inherit the promise. Amen? Amen. Let's say that together. If you follow Jesus, you go to the right places. If you follow Jesus, you have the right purpose. And if you follow Jesus, you will inherit the promise. What is the promise? To live forever here on Jesus earth. Heaven's going to come down to earth and he's going to recreate this earth and make it heaven on earth. And you're going to inherit that promise. In fact, the Bible says that we are become joint heirs with Jesus, that Jesus said the meek. Now who is meek? The one that follows Jesus. That's who is meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. And that's us. The Bible says the saints will live forever. Who are the saints? Us. A saint, the word saint today usually means some real holy person you know. But that's not really what it means. It means anybody who has had their soul purified by the blood of Jesus. How do you do that? You ask the Lord to forgive give you of your sins. You ask him to come live in your heart. And you say, Lord, I'm going to live for you forever. I promise my life to you, God. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. I'm going to serve you, you know. And you really mean it. There's no certain words. It's just that you really, really, really mean it. That's what matters. And when you do, God knows... And he purifies your soul. And not only that, it says here that you will have uh, unfeigned, that's genuine, love for other Christians. That's the brethren. The brethren, that's an old-fashioned term, you know. We don't say that. Now everybody says bro or bra. Well, <laughs> When it comes to Christians, we're brothers and we're sisters. Amen? Because we're all children of God, so now we're brothers and sisters. And when a brother is off in left field, he's doing stuff he shouldn't be doing, a good brother will go to him and say, Hey, get straight, brother. Come with me. Let's go to church. Isn't that right? But oftentimes... We, let, we just let people fade out without trying to get them back. I'm the world's worst. One of the reasons is I can't remember. I wish I, could, I wish I could remember everybody that's supposed to be here today, but they're not. I cannot do it. Sometimes I'll be driving down the middle of high, well, not the middle, but on my side. 
in the middle of the night. And it'll just hit me. Oh, wow, so-and-so hasn't been to church in months. It's like I hadn't even thought of it. And it's not that I don't care. It's just my brain cannot handle all of it. Okay? And so I do care. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, I need to call him. Oh, it's midnight. Well, then what happens the next day? And so I need help with that. Anytime you say, hey, could you give so-and-so a call and send me their name and number? I really do appreciate that. That never bothers me. I'm always thinking, oh, I'm so glad you thought of that. Another thing is us Sunday school teachers need to be doing that. All of us that have Sunday school classes, we need to be doing that and do a better job at it. I know I need to do a better job at it. But when a brother is off track a little bit, instead of kicking them while they're down, telling them they're not welcome back, we ought to be lifting them up and pulling them back. But we sure don't want to step down in there with them. We don't want to step down in there with them. Because then the devil really laughs. Look what I did to Jesus, kids. The devil say, look what I got them to do. <laughs> look what I got Jesus. Look what I got that preacher to do. Oh, he'll never preach. He'll never be effective anymore. He won't win any more people to Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, we hate Christians. Let's, let's just kill them all. And down through the ages, kings and queens have tried because they work for the devil and don't even know it. We're going to face that again. You know why people have a controversy over Halloween? Halloween was All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows' Day is, listen, this is important. All Hallows' Day for centuries was when Christians remembered other Christians who had died. They honored them, reading their names, putting up memorials, having parades with flowers and candles. I mean, this has gone on for centuries and centuries, All Hallows' Day. Now, All Hallows' Eve was part of it, kind of like Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. All Hallows' Eve was part of it. That's when they were getting ready. And they gave treats to each other and gave gifts to each other. And it was all about remembering other Christians who had died, which was mostly martyrs. You know what a martyr is? A martyr is not someone who straps bombs on the body and blows themselves up. That's a lunatic. A martyr is somebody who is drug out of their home or caught on the street or drug out of their church and they're killed simply because they love Jesus. Nothing else. That is a martyr. And so All Hallows' Eve remembered the martyrs. All Hallows' Day remembered the martyrs. And yeah, they did dress up. They dressed up in uh, old-fashioned costumes. Sometimes they would dress up like the person they were honoring. You know, they were remembering those brothers and sisters who had died. That's really where it came from, okay? That's really where it came from. But down through the, in the future from that, 
The old devil worshipers, the Satanists, the pagans, the people that were into Wiccan and witchcraft, and there's more of that now than there was then because only 20% of the people are in church. Those people started doing things to harm Christians on those days, on All Hallows' Eve and on All Hallows' Day. They began to harm Christians. They pulled tricks on them. They would hurt them. They would vandalize their homes. And these were Satan, Satanist-type people, right? And so, don't let anybody tell you that Halloween came originally from a Satanic-type holiday. That is a lie. The devil tried to steal it. The devil always tries to mock Jesus. The devil wants you to think he's better than Jesus. You know what we do on Halloween? We give candy to our kids. We may dress up in fun costumes. We have a good time here at church, and we reach more people than we ever dreamed we could. There will be people here this evening that will never come to church except for this day. And we get a chance to ask them, can we pray with you? We get to hand them a track. Are we celebrating the devil? Absolutely not, and I just double-dog dare somebody to tell me that we are. Because I'm about fed up with that nonsense. Don't be calling people hate haters when they love Jesus. A person that loves Jesus cannot be full of hate. Which is something that we all have to fight. I get this all the time, and I'm going to share something that's not in the Bible. I'm going to share my opinion. You can take it or leave it. We don't have to agree. I'm sharing it anyway. Here is how I define hate in my mind. And I do get it from the Bible. It's just not there in quotes. There's a, there's a few folks that I don't really like too much. I'm not going to name any names. But you know what? That's my business. There's a lot of behaviors. There's a lot of behaviors that I don't like at all. Because they're killing our young people in our society. But I cannot think of one person. I don't even know. I mean, there are some people I really don't like. Not here. I cannot think of one human being that I would want them to go to hell and burn forever. I can think of some really bad people, mass murderers, uh, serial killers, um, Osama bin Laden, you know, that tries to blow everything up till he got killed. And I mean, there's a lot of names out there, right? Hitler in the past. Well, I mean, I don't, even want, I don't even want Hitler to burn in hell, but he probably is. But you know what's better? What's better is when one of those people that are really serving Satan, and they may not even know it, but they're very effective at it, what's really better is when they get saved. And then they turn that energy toward reaching people for Christ. That's what happened to Paul. Paul went to homes, and he, he drug them out. He killed the moms and dads or sold them into slavery. He would take the children into slavery. Some of them he would throw in the lion's den. That's what Paul's career was until the Lord struck him like a bolt of lightning 
and he went blind, and he laid there and couldn't see, and he heard the voice of Jesus, and he realized Jesus was real. And all of a sudden, he realized he had been wrong, and it tormented him the rest of his life that he had put to death Christians. I mean, every night when he went to bed, he had nightmares of these kids that he had killed or sold into slavery and these horrible things he had done and thrown them to the lion's den. I mean, that is the most satanic thing I can think of, and it's going on right now. We have people that are being put in other countries especially, but some here. And on the border, we have human trafficking like we've never had before. The cartels are doing it. Our politicians are getting paid off for it, and it makes me sick. But I want to see somebody get saved and turn it all around and get their soul purified. All it would take would be a handful of powerful people in the world to be struck down on the road to Damascus, and it can happen. That's why we should pray for our leaders. Because if their soul gets purified, same way in some churches, there's some churches that are being led by ungodly people. They need to get saved. The church needs to get on fire and people need to come to the Lord. He said in verse 23, how do you do it? Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. That means... He's not talking about human birth. That's what that means. He said, I'm not talking about human birth. I'm talking about incorruptible, the word of God. That's being born again by Jesus and following his word. Guys, I appreciate you for being here. I love this church. We have people, let me tell you, we took James made, I don't know, hundreds of crosses. If you get a chance, go to my Facebook page. Scroll down, and you'll see a video where hundreds of people, it was cold and drizzly, and hundreds of people got up out of their seats and came down those steps, 4,000 seats. It's a big place to pick up one of, one of our white crosses, take it back to their seat. Every single one was gone. And we ran out, and there was more people wanting it. I'm telling you, people are hungry for the truth, for their souls to be purified, to be on the right path, and have a purpose in life. And we've got that to offer right here. And I thank you for being a part of it. Would you stand with me? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you would come and let me pray with you today.